The Word says, in fact, the Lord said, aside from me, you can do nothing. On our best day, we couldn't do it by ourselves. Aren't you thankful for the hand of the Lord that walks with us every step of the way? Turn with me, please, to the book of James, chapter 5. Verse number 16 will be our text. And then we'll also go to the book of Luke, chapter 19, verse 12 and 13. Good to see everyone in the house of the Lord this evening. We had such a tremendous time on Wednesday night in the Holy Ghost and our foot washing and communion. And I just feel that lingering presence of the Lord, believing that God is going to do something great in this service tonight. Amen. James chapter 5, verse 16 says, Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Luke 19, verses 12 and 13 he said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. I'm going to be teaching on several types of prayer. And tonight, my title is The Effectual Fervent Prayer, but my subtitle will be The Occupying Prayer. Amen. Lord bless you as you're seated this evening. As we have now seen, we are on day three of our fast. Feels like day 13. Feels like it's taken forever, but it's it's it's. Fasting is humbling ourselves before the Lord. Fasting is, uh, it serves many purposes. But this is what the Lord said when the disciples came to him and said, how come we couldn't do what you did? How come we couldn't cast out the devil? He said, this kind cometh not but by prayer and fasting. So let me say this, whatever type of fast you chose, I, I gave several options uh, for you to pray about and consider for you and your family. If you do not couple that fasting with prayer, in fact, maybe increasing your prayer by five minutes, let me tell you what you're doing. You're starving. That's what you're doing. Because the only way fasting works is you have to unite it with prayer. Prayer is the spark. Fasting is the fuel, the gasoline. In fact, fasting accelerates spiritual maturity. There are four categories of man. And I'm not even talking about fasting. Just let me, let me dabble a little bit. There are four appetites to man. There is food. 
there is greed. And we're all adults, there is sex. And there is spiritual. Four appetites of men. Three of those are linked together. Okay? Food, appetite, and intimacy or lust. All right? You have to break down those three to get to the fourth dimension, which is the spiritual dimension. All right? What happened when man sinned? What? They had the whole dimension of spirituality to themselves with God. What caused them to be separated from God? Food. Food. Food is tied to greed. Food is tied to lust for the flesh. In fact, the Bible calls it, Jesus said, and I'm going to teach on it, surfeiting. In the last days, many people will be bound by surfeiting. Surfeiting is food drunkenness. He likens a drunkard in alcohol to being drunk on food. All right? Now, we don't like to preach about this because we all like to eat, starting with me. I love to eat. But you find out, you find out where your God is when you start abstaining from food. In fact, there are, there's a one to seven day fast. There's an 8 to 14 day fast, a 14 to 21, and a 21 to 40. A true fast, it's called a prophet's fast, is when you go from when the time hunger leaves, not desire, desire is lust, but true hunger, and when the time it returns, it could be 40 days, it could be 45 days, it could be 50 days. That's a true prophet's fast when you go only water and nothing else not even chewing gum, nothing. And your body begins to purge itself of all of the toxins. In fact, I read one report, one testimony, who a man fasted under supervision, medical supervision, past 40 days, and his gray hair went back to its original color, black. Because the Bible says in the book of Isaiah that your health will spring forth speedily. In fact, lots of medical issues could be cured if people would go on a fast because your body feeds off of all the toxins and the poisons in the body. And we're so full of food that we have no room for spirituality. If you go on an extended fast somewhere around day 7 or 10, the craving for greed and money will leave. The craving for lustful intimacy will leave. This is why Paul said, defraud not one another, talking to husbands and wives, defraud not one another, except it be for a time for fasting. And then resume intimate relations, lest you be tempted, because you've been apart for too long. Because in a true fast, you even abstain from that category of desire so you can get to that fourth dimension, which is spirituality. All right? So when you're fasting, you're not just skipping a meal. You're trying to get through three appetites to enhance that fourth appetite, which is God and, the, and walking with God and the Spirit of God. So how do you do it? You have to pray 
while you fast. Let me give you uh, just a, a recommendation. You treat this bread like you treat the bread you put in your mouth. Instead of eating, if you're skipping breakfast, take 10 minutes and read the Word. Put that bread into your spirit. If it's lunchtime, instead of eating, take this bread, put it into your spirit, and that's how you grow in God. It's not about starving. It's about getting closer to God through fasting. So part of praying is fervent prayer. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You know who we call prayer warriors? We call people who they just, they just know how to pray and they're loud and they call down thunder from heaven. We call them prayer warriors. I've never seen anybody that just sits there, Lord, I love you. Oh, I love you, Jesus. Oh, I love you. I've never seen anybody like that called a prayer warrior. It don't happen. Because in our mind, a warrior in prayer is someone who is demonstrative and loud and authoritative. That's what the Bible says, the effectual, fervent prayer. There's some people, you can say God hears all prayer, and he does, but God does not respond to all prayers. He does not respond to all prayers. It says if you want to get something done in the spirit realm, if you want to avail much or make progress, there has to be fervent prayer, fervency. So we're going to talk about one type of fervent prayer. On May 1st, 2003, President George W. Bush made a historic speech from the flight deck of the USS Abraham Lincoln. And he declared an end to major combat operations in Iraq. But if you listen to that speech, he stated that day, the coalition forces engaged in securing and restructuring that country still have dangerous work to complete. His words echoed with almost prophetic authority as he said, the war on terror is not over yet it is not endless. We do not know the day of final victory, but we have seen the turning of the tide. Regardless of one's political stance, there is near universal consensus on this fact. Military victory over a hostile and entrenched foe is but the first phase of warfare. Unwavering determination an untiring effort are required to preserve a precarious peace and defend a freedom against those whose ideology prefers dictatorship to democracy and who will stop at nothing in their attempts to sabotage the process and reverse the progress. Victory may be declared, but forces have to stay there and occupy to see that that new territory is established for its intended purpose. You see, Jesus' parable in Luke 19 teaches us that the servants of God must also occupy hostile territory until he 
returns. When you get the Holy Ghost, you come to God and you're born of the water and the Spirit. It doesn't just put a check by your name in the Lamb's book of life just to pay your tithes and pray and, and, and sit on a church pew. But you are enlisted in an army of God. And we have an opportunity and an obligation to occupy until he returns. The word does not mean just to bide one's time. That's what the slothful servant did. Rather, it means to busy oneself with trade. Simply put, we are to do more than just fill a place in God's kingdom. We are to consistently carry out spiritual business for the king. And so we ask ourselves, what is our primary business? Paul said in 1 Timothy 2 and 1, I exhort thee therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. It was the Puritan preacher John Bunyan who once said, we can do more than pray after we have prayed, but we cannot do more than pray until we have prayed. Because prayer is the first thing on our agenda. We can have the best of singers, the best of musicians, the most beautiful building. We can have everything that man could attract men. But if we don't have prayer, we don't have anything. Everything begins with prayer. That's why I gently encourage you to make time in your own schedule to pray, but also, if at all possible, to go to a prayer room. Can you go to heaven without going to that prayer room? I'm not going to say you can't, but I will say this. You can't go to heaven if you don't pray. Prayer gets that mind in line with God. It gets that mind surrendered to the Spirit of God, and you seek to walk with God. One of the more powerful prayer words in the New Testament is supplication. But we strip it of it of much of its authority when we define it only according to the English dictionary. Because there, when you do that, you basically you get the word begging. However, the scriptural root words also carry the sense of binding. Supplication involves making our requests known to God, but it extends a step further. For to supplicate is to ask with passion, persistence, and focus. Supplication is the prayer of occupation. This is what Jesus said when he said, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. It was more than just saying, God, I want you to do this. It was, it's literally stepping into a realm of binding God to his original intent and purpose. And as apostolic believers, we are equipped to do more than to entreat God, but we can enforce what God intends for his will to be done in a spiritual environment. Matthew 16, 18, he says, I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. 
Jesus' promise that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church is connected to the actions of the church in the next verse. Okay, There's, they're linked. He said, and I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Ancient custom was that the gates of a city functioned as the place of public discourse and official decree. And so what the Lord is saying and teaching is that the church has been empowered by his victory on the cross to pray in ways that stop the strategy of hells dead in their tracks. The very gates, the very concept where hell gathers and says this is what we want to do to stop revival. This is what we want to do to hinder this person. He says if you will pray like I have intended for you to pray then you can shut down the very wisest tactics that hell can bring against you. See supplication moves into the confusion caused by the fall of man. Broken hearts, broken homes, broken health broken relationships, and it begins to bind up those broken things, bringing them back to God's original design. It is the business of believers to intervene in any situations that are not what heaven intends them to be and see them through in passionate, persistent, focused prayer until they once agree with God's Word. You see, your prayers have the very ability to alter the course of history and the course of somebody's destiny. I remember I was preaching for a man one time and in a small country town, and, and he told me the story of a man who got crossways with him that didn't go to his church but got crossways with him. He had ties to his church. And he called that house, and his Pastor's wife answered the phone. They believed the husband was outside. And that man was so irate, he said, I'm on my way to kill your husband. He said, I've got my gun, and when I'm not, I'm not stopping till he's dead. And she hung that phone up and she went to intercession. And she began to plead and said, God, whatever you gotta do, you stop that man before he gets here. And before he made it to that to their house, the engine blew up in his truck on the way to that preacher's house. You say, well, that's just coincidence. No, that was God hearing the intercession of a prayer warrior that altered that man's destiny, never made it to his house. You have the ability, if you operate in prayer as God desired and designed you to operate. Now, it's not going to happen just sitting there just, occupying time, okay? Some people go to prayer and they just want to pray 30 minutes, but they didn't do nothing. It's not about saying, I prayed 30 minutes. What did you do during that prayer time? Yes, I believe anything is better than nothing. But you need it's like reading the Word. You don't just read it to read. You read it to grow. Our binding and loosing accomplishes on earth what has already been willed in heaven. We don't make things happen, but our supplication releases them to happen. It is God's power and timing coupled with our participation and our tenacity. You see, the binding is not limited to our concept of something 
being tied up. When we think of binding, we think of tying something and binding that. It could be even more accurately understood by our concept of a binding contract. When I built a house, and if you've built a house or if you dealt with someone with a contract, sometimes you have to stay on top of things or else they won't fulfill what they agreed to fulfill. And they are literally bound by the contract. What that simply means is they have to perform what they said they would perform. And so when we go to prayer and we start binding, we're not tying things up. We're saying, Lord, on earth as it is in heaven, what you have already established to happen on the earth, let it be released on this earth, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But it takes people to pray like that because Satan wants to disrupt the contract. Satan wants to cause chaos. And God already intended for us. See, here's what happened, okay? Let me tell you how this happened. When enemies, when the when, when United States goes into an enemy territory, such as Afghanistan or wherever they've been before, they invade enemy territory. They stay for a length of time. And then they occupy for the restructuring of that territory to turn it around. So whenever Pentecost came into this spiritual environment, however many years ago it was, we invaded enemy territory in the spirit world. We invaded enemy territory, and we set up residence. And we have to keep the enemy at bay because the enemy doesn't want to give up its territory. And the only way you keep the enemy at bay is you pray. And you use the authority that you were given. You have to operate in that realm of authority. This is what Jesus said. If the, if the house is cleaned out and you're delivered, and you don't occupy it with my presence, with my power, with my word, that old spirit's going to come back around and see if this temple is filled or if it's empty. And if it's empty, it's going to get seven more spirits that are worse than it and going to come back and occupy that temple, that territory, because it was not occupied with the Spirit of God, power of God, presence of God, Word of God. And so as a church, if we just say, you know what, we, we got a good church, we got good singing, we got great things going on, and we just get satisfied with just going to church and having church and we're a part of a good church, then that what the enemy is just going to start coming around, and it's going to start trying to trying to find a place to come on in, come on in, because we're not actively occupying the spiritual environment. A powerful weapon like supplication is not to be wasted on petty, self-centered, temporal concerns. Paul elaborates on this, giving us a divine directive to pray for issues that are grander and broader than our own immediate points of personal preoccupation. He said in 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4, I exhort thee that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, 
who will have all men to be saved and to come under the knowledge of the truth. I challenge you when you go to prayer. Yes, you need to bring your petitions before the Lord, but true supplication is moving beyond right here to where you are and looking at others and looking in the spirit world. And I challenge you to designate a portion of your prayer time to start praying in the spirit, praying against the forces of darkness, taking dominion and authority over the things that would come against your friends and your family. Another scriptural term defining this kind of prayer is intercession, which in both the ancient Greek and Hebrew languages carry the same basic meaning, to come between by chance. You see, not every believer has the calling of an intercessor, but every believer is called to intercede when God prompts. There are people who have the gift of intercession. They can go to prayer. And it seemed like three hours is five minutes. And they just get lost in the spirit world. That's the gift of intercession. And we need intercessors. But every child of God should be attentive to the prompting of the spirit when God moves on you out of nowhere. Have you ever out of nowhere felt or thought about someone just totally random out of the blue? I wonder how so-and-so is doing. Maybe I need to call and check on them. That's not coincidence. That's the prompting of the Spirit. Or you can be in prayer and somebody's name will come into your mind that you hadn't thought of from nowhere. That's God prompting you in prayer. And you have to be sensitive to that to start praying for that person. You don't have to know the reason. You don't have to know the need. You just begin to pray as the Spirit leads you, excuse me, in prayer. You may be the only representative between that person and God. And what does the Bible say? That there's got to be somebody that will weep between the porch and the altar. Intercession occurs when believers realize that God has ordained boundaries of blessing around his people. And that unless someone prays, Satan will always try to violate the boundary line. Apostolic Christianity is not a spectator sport. It's a participator sport. And every person sitting on these pews tonight has a role to fill in the kingdom of God. And you may be one gifted with intercession, or you may be one gifted with encouragement. There is the gift of encouragement in the body of Christ. It's about finding that place and occupying for the kingdom of God until he returns. We need prayer warriors with spiritual sensitivity to understand that God has put them on location to travail in prayer for a world that otherwise would experience only the consequences of sin. But we have to understand that there are others that may not be gifted in, in that travailing area but they are gifted. You find your gifting. You use the gifting. You occupy. He told them, he told them in, in, in the word of the Lord, he gave them each talents, and he said, occupy till I come. One five, one one, one ten talent. 
That was God's way of showing us that not everybody are ten talent people. You got a one person, one talent person, a five talent person, and a ten talent person. God never expected everyone to be on the same playing field. He never designed everyone to carry the same weight and the same responsibility. He just expected them to do something with what they had. And that person with the least talent said, I, I buried mine because I knew that thou were an austere and a just man. In other words, he was scared of it. He said, you could have done anything other than bury, and I'd have been happy. But the fact that you didn't do anything with what I gave you, I got to take from you and give to the rest. You see, it's not about trying to outdo anybody. It's about doing something with what God has given you. You find that role. You find that lane. You find that place in the kingdom. You find that gifting. You don't compare yourself. The Bible says they that compare themselves amongst themselves are not wise. You don't compare against somebody else. You find what you can do for the kingdom of God, and you occupy doing it until he comes. Some 2,000 years have passed on the calendar since the Lord made his historic declaration from a nondescript mountain near Jerusalem declaring an end to major combat operations with hell. But as he stated that day, the prayer warriors engaged in saving and reconciling fallen humanity still have dangerous work to complete. He said, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. What Jesus was saying is, hey, I come and conquered death, hell, and the grave. I made the invasion into the spirit world. I went down to hell. And I rose from the grave like nobody else has done. But my part is done. Now I need the church to step in and start to restructure the atmosphere for what I intended it to be. You are the troops in the spiritual environment. Catahoula Parish has to feel the thunderings of our prayers. When we pray, it has to be with fervency. If you don't know what that means, Go to prayer for 10 minutes and pray as hard as you can for those 10 minutes. I'd rather you pray 10 min minutes fervent than an hour sitting there hardly saying nothing. Because the only way to shake hell is when he hears the fervent prayer of a righteous man. Prayer. The day of Pentecost happened because of supplication. Bible says in Acts 1.14, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. That tells you right there that there is a difference between prayer and supplication because it said they were in that upper room and they prayed, they had prayer, but they went beyond prayer and they stepped into apostolic authority and supplication. They began to pray God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What were they doing? They were fasting 10 days in that upper room. I don't think they had uh, Grubhub or whatever to bring them food. They were up there fasting and praying and seeking 
God. I can't think of a better way for us to start this new year than to occupy and push back against the kingdom of darkness, to push back against the forces of hell. You literally have to stand in the gap. Stand with me right now. I, I remember I was preaching a revival. I was preaching a revival, and I, I walked in there, and I got ticked off on that first, I think it was the first Sunday of that revival. I walked in there, and I, on that church, that church, I'd walk down the side, and I'd come to the front. When I stood, when I as an evangelist, when I'd stand on that side, and I would start looking around, it was to see what was happening in the church, see who God wanted me to speak to, see whatever God wanted to show me. That was my time to look around. And I looked back there, and I saw three people, three females that had Jezebel spirits, and they were there to lock down that service. And I got fighting mad because don't mess. You, we can laugh. We can cut up outside of church, but when it comes to church service, don't mess with a church service. That's the most important time for me is a church service. When souls are hanging in the balance, we don't play. And I got ticked off. And I went to prayer, and the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to call so-and-so, elder pastor. So I called this pastor, and I said, uh, I, I told him, I said, this, this is, I don't like this. I mean, I was ready to go to that pulpit with guns a-blazing. Problem is, I was aiming at three goats, but I was fixing to kill a bunch of sheep. You can't do that. And so he said, let me tell you a story. He said, there was, a, there was a lady, her husband, that pastored a church. And there was problems in the camp. There was one person in that church that was just giving them fits and trying to spread it across the church. And this lady, was a, the pastor's wife, was a teacher at an ACE school where they, the students work on their own in, in, in paces. And she had put all the kids to work. And she was talking to the Lord, just walking back and forth in her spirit. She was talking to the Lord. And there was this one little boy that kept raising his hand and said, Sister so-and-so, I want you to come read this. And she, she kept pushing him off. Go ahead and do your work, buddy. Go ahead and do your work. And while she was praying, the Lord spoke to her and said, Go read what that boy is fixing to show you. So she went over there and she picked up his story. And it was about honeybees in their hives and in boxes. And the story, the, the short story is this. Rats and mice attracted to that honey will get in those hives or get in those, in, the, in those boxes, seeking the hive, seeking the honey, and those bees will start stinging it and kill it. But once decomposition starts, it'll start stinking up the hive. So what those bees do is they start waxing, putting wax over that rat putting wax over that mouse to where it totally seals off the influence of that dead animal to prevent it from ruining the hive. They have literally gone in and found whole rats encapsulated in wax because those bees, naturally, God designed them like that to, to, to protect the colony, to protect the hive from an intruder. And the Lord told that lady, you and your husband, you start praying. And I want you to start waxing in in your prayers. I pray, God, that you would wax in and cut off the influence of that person in the church so where they cannot contaminate the hive. They started praying like that. And within just a few weeks, that man, 
all of a sudden got transferred on his job. And they never had to say a word to that man. They didn't have to draw a sword because their prayers did the work. I went to pray. I said, Lord, those three individuals right there, I'm praying that you would wax them in and you would eliminate their influence from the, from this church. Stop their contamination from getting to this church. We're going to have revival in this church. Hear me. Within just a few weeks of me praying that prayer, the main one left the church and divorced her husband just because somebody started praying in the spirit world, praying against the forces of darkness. You don't fight people. You fight the spirit world. You don't have to draw a sword and go against anybody. If you'll exercise the authority that God gave you in the Holy Ghost, the God will fight for you. That's what he told Moses. Moses, you tell them to stand still, and they're going to see the salvation of the Lord. That's where we're at, Wallace Ridge. We're not going to fight against anybody, but we are going to occupy and in, in pray against the forces of darkness that are trying to hinder the revival in Catahoula Parish. Amen. Amen. Lift your hands to heaven right now. Lord Jesus, I pray, God, that the army of the Lord in this, in this spiritual jurisdiction, God, that every one of them would use the authority in the Spirit. Lord, let them pray in the Spirit against the forces of darkness. Lord, let them exercise the authority that you purchased at Calvary. Lord Jesus, let them find their place in the Holy Ghost. Let them find their role in the Spirit and let them occupy until you come. Let them walk in that power and that authority of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, if you believe it, clap your hands unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. The Bible says the kingdom of God has come not with observation, but the kingdom of God is within you. It's not a spectator sport. It's in you. You just have to operate how God intended for it to operate. Amen. Lord bless you. Greet one another as we 